Hello and welcome to The Last Wicket. I'm your host, Benny. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, for this special episode, I'm joined by my longtime co-host, Mayank, and two special guests who I will get to in a minute. But before that, guys, it's it's been a long day. <laughs> Some of us have been up for probably close to 20 hours at this point. And uh, it's also been just under 12 hours since the final, the 2023 Men's World Cup final ended with uh, uh, just draining us of our emotions and reactions. But we are going to try to get all of that. I think one of the nice things about doing this uh, episode, this recording, is that we can all process the uh you know our thoughts together kind of like a group therapy session i think it'll be beneficial for us beneficial for people listening and i should say to our listeners again you know if you're an australian fan or a neutral fan this episode is probably going to tilt more towards an indian perspective of things so fair warning so yeah this episode is going to be talking about uh or it's going to be focused more on the immediate aftermath of the final uh, just getting our thoughts on it, our, getting our reactions to not just the final, how it turned out, but just the World Cup in general, because I think it was a very eventful one, both on and off the field. So to talk about all of that, to discuss all of that, we have uh, a returning special guest, uh, Karthik, aka Elite Cynic, who uh, appeared on our last episode to kind of take a pulse check on, you know, the early exchanges of the World Cup. Uh, so Karthik, welcome back. Uh, thanks, Benny. Great to be back. Uh, looking forward to this episode. Yeah, thanks for uh, coming back, as promised. <laughs> and we have a, a return of one of our founding hosts of the pod, Nish. Nish, welcome back. Thanks, Benny. Good to be back after a long time. I wish uh, it was under slightly happier circumstances. I think that was the idea when we invited yes. you back. Uh, but it's it's fine. We'll we'll get into all of it. So uh, once again, gents, thank you for hopping on this call. And um, let so let's talk about it. Let's dive in. So the World Cup final uh, ended uh, earlier today with Australia winning for. Uh, a record sixth time, uh, Pat Cummins lifting the trophy after pretty, you know, uh, Pat Cummins is, is going to be a fantastic story by himself. And uh, we'll, we'll we'll see if we'll end up talking a little bit more about his him and his captaincy, uh, his performances with both bat and ball. Uh, but I'm really curious first to get your thoughts, just your quick thoughts on uh, how you saw the World Cup, uh, the final. Let's talk about the final. Uh uh, how it panned out, if there were anything as far as key takeaways or, you know, turning points in any moments that were probably for you, you know, where it, where you thought, okay, this is where Australia is winning the World Cup. So, uh, Mike, do you want to go first? Do you want to, like, talk about, for you at least, what was uh, the big story of the World Cup final? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think I think the key phase was India's middle overs when they were batting. Um, so they managed to score only two boundaries in those uh, in between eleven to forty, which is surprisingly low. So as a comparison, they scored seven percent of their runs in boundaries today uh, when they usually 
and before this game in the World Cup, they've scored 47% of their runs in boundaries in that phase. So substantially low, um, batting, you know, very slowly. And, and mostly it was because of, you know, Australia being extremely disciplined and having very set fields. And we saw that right from the start, even in the first 10, when Rohit Sharma got us off to a solid start, they had a deep point in the first over for him. So they were very, very specific on what they wanted to do for each batsman. And uh, clearly that planning worked out and set up the game for them perfectly. Uh, and the other piece that, you know, a lot of people at uh, when the toss happened were, were joking about was, uh, oh, Pat Cummins might have made a decision like Ganguly did in 2003. And uh, that was obviously not to be the case. It was, it was absolutely the right call considering how conditions got easier to bat later on. So... I think the combination of the two really summed up um, the, the the game. Yeah, the 2003 parallels were pretty strong even, you know, before the, the final got underway. And um, I know there was some talk on social media before the final about how, oh, this is uh, a chance for India to, you know, kind of vanquish the ghosts of 2003. And there was some pushback from certain sections saying, well, you know, 2011, you know, India beat Australia in the quarterfinals. I personally am on the side of where I'm still scarred by the 2003 final. Okay, I remember watching that and just being so, you know, just because of the way India was thrashed in that final. Um, the 2011 didn't change anything for me. So I was really hoping, given the way that India performed throughout the tournament uh, and how Australia almost kind of... Uh, just about managed to sneak their way into the final. I thought India should be able to beat them comfortably, and that didn't happen. But Nish, what what are your, what are your thoughts on the final? Um, I think first of all, congratulations to our Australian listeners and Australian Australian team. Right, like they just show up time and again, and you know it's like it's almost like a muscle memory for them. They just have to like trigger it, and it works. But it's easier said than done. For me, I thought I kind of want to echo. Mayank's points here about, you know, the middle overs. Um, the first 10 overs went to template, right, more or less, though the road Sharma's wicket was perhaps an extra. And then typically, Kohli dropped anchor and we built that innings. Shreyas Iyer's uh, wicket and then, you know, once, I think around in the middle 20 overs or something, 26 to 40, when we were supposed to, like, you know, build and lay anchor and then go hard the last 10. Kohli's wicket was big turning point. It's very easy to say, like, Kohli's wicket is a big turning point in most matches, especially so today, yeah. because he would just, like, hold one end up, and, you know, and Rahul also, ha- you know, had to play that role, right? And then, so it was very tricky for us, especially when the team didn't have much confidence in Sky later on, so I think, and of course, in credit Australia, their feeling, like Mank said, you know, they had a point uh, early on for Oshima, which most of the teams didn't have, and that was, like, easy boundaries for him, and then uh, I think they had a short square leg as well, right? Uh, or uh, for the pull shot that Rahul plays, and he had to like check it multiple times. So you know those easy singles weren't on offer as well. So yeah. Cummins and team, you know, had their plans for each batsman down to the T, and the execution was on par with that as well, right? And then when um, Sky came in later on, uh, it was all so balls. There was no pace for him to work with whatsoever, right? So yeah, I mean all these things. Cannot be turning points, but they all contributed to one stranglehold that we couldn't really, like, you know, break free from. So, credit to yeah, them. Yeah, I, I don't even know personally if I could see any turning points. Like, I, I don't know. I, I just felt like from beginning, probably 
till Rohit was there, it felt like a, a contest. And once he was gone, like I never felt like India got into like a momentum, you know, like just they could never pull away. Australia just not with not just with the ball, but even in the field, like they were just like refused to concede any boundaries. It was so intense. Karthik, what did you think of the way that Australia took control of the game? Were there did you think that at any point India were in the game, they could have pulled ahead? Yeah, so first of all, congrats to Australia. Ruthless game, absolutely. And hard luck to India. I think they were the best side in the tournament. And, you know, that one bad game, unfortunately, had to be in the finals. Mm, Yeah, yeah, so I agree with most of what, everything what Nation Mind just talked about and you also talked about. Um, They just chokeholded us in that middle overs thing because if you see, we just scored four boundaries from... 11th to 40th, uh, 50th over. So, we just scored four boundaries in 40 overs. That's like unpardonable. However you want to take a look at it, like, you know, if uh, it's, um, um, you know, they were rebuilding, anchoring, whatever it is, four boundaries in 40 overs and 12 boundaries in the first 10. So, we hit total 16 boundaries. That's where I think we lost the game slightly. I understand the entire template of Kohli anchoring and then what happens after that was the right plan. I just feel they executed their plans absolutely brilliantly. You know, the plans that they had, which Mayank just talked about, the deep point for Rohit or, you know, the slower balls to uh, Surya. In fact, if you noticed, they had these two short mid-wickets for Surya playing cards with each other because they know know that Surya tries to do that and uh, uh, there's a chance that you know, but the catch goes there. So they had planned it out, and more importantly, they're fielding by the by the seventh ball of the innings. They're already saved seven runs. So their fielding was like top notch. So everything worked for them, clicked for them. They played their A game. Uh, I don't know if India was at the, on the top. We were always playing catch up, in my view. After the after Rohit's wicket, which was a brilliant catch by Head, I thought we were always playing catch up. The only time I think we went on top was 42-43 when we took that Smith's wicket. I think that's where I thought India uh, took the ascendancy. But honestly, I don't think it would have mattered. Even if you would have scored 300, they would have chased it because you know the yeah. conditions, I feel, changed drastically. Uh, five games played at this ground. Four have been one chasing. Even the fifth one, England almost chased it. 230, they scored chasing 285 and they were like a wash team this World Cup. So, I just feel it became easy to bat on, not taking nothing away from Australia. They played brilliantly, but I just feel uh, that's where um, I think the conditions played a big part uh, in my view. And also, I think uh, for the first time after he got injured, we really missed Hardik because um, mm-hmm. Hardik was a key component. I thought he would have had the sixth bowler and the extra batsman cushion. And now, if I roll back the time, I feel what would have happened had um, Marsh taken that catch of Kohli at Chennai, you know. He dropped it. We all thought that India's batting might have, you know, anyways chased it. I I don't know now, you know. Maybe. Who knows? You know, one thing that, uh, you know, one thing that you said, India was the best team with this World Cup. And I don't think anybody will disagree with that just mm-hmm. because of the way they dominated the way 
to the final. And we'll talk about the Indian team. Um, but before we do, let's talk about the Australian team very quickly. For one, they're the world champions now. So I think uh, all credit to them for that. And so it's worth talking about. You know, when we talked in the last episode, and we talked about who would be our semifinal picks, both you and Mike picked Australia as one of them, and I did not. And yeah. major reason for that was, well, one, I just thought Pakistan would do Pakistan things and make their way into the semifinals. But the other one was Australia, when they started out, the first two games against India and South Africa, granted, tough opponents, but they just looked, they just didn't look convincing. You know, Pat Cummins was still like, at that point, to me, I thought, I don't know if he's even warrants his own place in the 11 and to be a captain of the side. I don't know. I didn't feel like it was, he was the right fit at that time. Travis had was injured and I didn't know how soon he'll be back. And the whole batting order looked shaky. The boulders looked kind of off color. Um, and then even later on in the tournament, they should have lost to Afghanistan, which of course, uh, I, I hope we get some time to talk about Maxwell. Uh, but all of that said and done, you know, they still did, you know, the, you know, there's that saying, Australia's got that dog in them. Like, even if they're off color, you know, forget the statistics, they will fight tooth and nail. And that's what they're known for. That's what they've been known for over the last few decades. And they brought their A game. And that's the one thing that really stood out for me in this, in the, in the final was how they didn't look, they didn't look stressed at all at any point during the final they looked so calm they looked so in control it felt like it was just another game to them and whereas with india like especially after the wicket of rohit and especially after um actually after the wicket of shreyas uh and during the whole rebuilding of kohli uh, and rahul like australia still looked like in full control and watching the last 15 overs was really painful because, you know, you could see, like, the Indian batters really struggling, trying to get the score moving, and Australia was just not backing down. Their bowling was still on point. Their fielding was on fire. So uh, I honestly, like you said, I don't think, even if India got, like, a do-over and got to play this game again, you know, I don't think they could have beaten um, Australia today. Like, the way Australia played today... And, and, you know, it, it, we can talk about the format, like World Cup format too. You know, uh, I think it was John Wright who mentioned kind of like halfway through the tournament that if India does not win the World Cup, probably we should revisit this whole like one final, right? We should probably have a best of three. Even if they had the best of three, I feel like Australia would have uh, won just because of the way they just turned up um, for the big occasion. Uh, but I think it's fair to say that Australia were deserving winners. I think India was the best team of the tournament, but World Cup final, if that is the way you choose who the champion is, I think that's Australia. Um, I mean, it had to be Australia. And again, they, they stood up. Quick question. When you said John yeah. Wright, is it that John Wright or there is another John Wright on Twitter who says opinions and people think he's that John Wright? Do you think he's the ex-Indian coach John Wright or this? John Wright, who's... Are you serious? There's <laughs> what? This is brand new information for me. No, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was the actual John Wright because this was actually repeated on ESPN Cricket. Well. Oh, I see. Then, yeah. Yeah, I think I think uh, I'll go on the Australian uh, performance. So I, I do agree. It has been a patchy um, 
World Cup campaign for them. You know, rough start with, to be fair, like they they played the two best teams, uh, the two teams which play spin best. So Zampa was off color. Um, then, you know, then Zampa started getting his bearings together, I believe, against Netherlands when he took four wickets. He, he was, you know, landing the ball really well. So he started coming back together. Um, and then at that point, Warner had already shown some, you know, some form and then Head came back and straight away against New Zealand, you know, showed what, why he's, you know, fancied why the Australian team didn't get a replacement for him. Yeah. and I think, yes, yeah, so it has been a patchy campaign. You you mentioned the Afghanistan game as well. So that was another one where there was potential that they would slip. And obviously, because of a freak show, they ended up winning that. Um, so, yeah, it's not been as consistent as India. I would also argue they have not even been as consistent as South Africa, right. who, you know, apart from that Netherlands slip up, uh, you know, they were pretty solid. Of course, India was, you know, surprised that they got bowled under 100 but but apart from those two games uh, south africa was constantly in the in the world cup and you know c- competing really well no matter who the opposition was no matter what the venue was like so i would say that australia was probably the third most consistent team of the world cup um which is very unlike them you know they yeah. would they would generally be in the top 2 um but but yeah did, you know excellent performance both in the semi finals i i will say that i do think they got a little bit lucky in the semi finals with the rain and the covers where, you know, they, they got to bowl first on, on a toss, which, you know, South Africa should have chosen. Like, there was nothing wrong in choosing to bat first with that toss, but just with the rain and, and the covers with the moisture, it just, you know, ended up being a tough toss uh, to win. So um, it, South Africa was a touch unlucky there, but, not you know, obviously not taking any credit away from the Aussie Pacers, who obviously did a fantastic job to reduce them to 24 by... 24 uh, for four and and then as we have said today like just clinical in their planning and execution yeah and karthik um i'm curious to hear your thoughts on pat cummins because uh, i don't think it was just me i think a lot of people were kind of skeptical about pat cummins before the world cup about like his place in the 11 about his leadership especially after their start to the campaign you know there were some murmurs on his leadership and his tactics um but I think bat ball, um, you know, his, his captaincy, especially the latter part of the World Cup, you know, first of all, his batting uh, contributions, it, both in the, the game against Afghanistan and in the semifinal, uh, his performance with the ball in the World Cup final, as well as his leadership. Um, now, I, I mean, we are looking at it in hindsight, obviously, but do you think it, it is confirmation that Pat Cummins was the right person and is still the right person to lead Australia going forward in uh, the limited overs, uh, especially the 50 over format. Good point, right? A great point about Pat Cummins because I was one of the guys who was not sure about his place in the 11. We discussed about it in the last part as well. I thought he probably doesn't warrant his place there. In fact, uh, there was a recent list that I saw about captains playing World Cup final and the number of ODIs they had captained their country before the start of the tournament. Clive Lloyd, when he played 75 World Cup final, had captained zero ODIs for West Indies before the World Cup, which is understandable. Number two is Pat Cummins, which came as a shock to me. Before the World Cup, he had only captained Australia in four ODIs, which which was like kind of surprising. 
considering we see him as a captain in the tests and all that so i really thought that pat cummins uh, might not find a place in the 11 uh, with because you know uh, because his bowling might not be suitable but where i think he's really made a difference so i've completely changed my opinion well i i feel that he was the right guy to lead them more than on field i think his captaincy off the field or his leadership off the field is what has probably helped uh, australia he has been very good in absorbing the noise uh, about uh, these big games tournaments about you know mm, finals and the way that he handled the media and the questions and all i thought he did a great job he was so composed about everything and today i think he was fantastic in fact had uh, travis had scored 80 or something right i would have given my my player of the match was pat cummins until then because he was simply brilliant with his captaincy his bowling his field changes everything was spot on today and the way he conducted himself overall i know that doesn't talk cricket but i'm just saying so yeah i was wrong pat cummins did warrant his place i think he was the right guy to lead australia i think uh, he showed great maturity uh, throughout the tournament especially that afghanistan game now whether or not he should continue as a white ball captain is another thing because there's another school of thought that this australian team probably is on autopilot anybody else could have also led the team and we would have gone there but that's yeah. where i i think pats off field captaincy comes a lot uh, you know into play so yeah congrats to pat cummins he did a great job and to karthik's point right like i think it was correct me if i'm wrong guys but the the transition from langer to their current coaching staff was done during comments's um, yeah. phase right and there was a lot of noise coming from langer and his um friends from you know the, the years back yeah. right so yeah. so to diffuse that and not let that affect the team the current setup was like you know it's it takes a lot right like it 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 does i'm sure so he did well on that and of course his like field placements and stuff were like amazing right like i was listening to like um P-Dog speaks the guy who comes on Ashwin's P-Dog, show yeah. um and his you know his commentary about how he didn't have a mid off when he was bowling for the longest time was like you know like that reading and execution was like incredible right like he was like into the deck slow balls for most of this innings as well so i think overall his captaincy and his performance and his reading of the game was very good right and he got captained right today by quite a distance so <laughs> i was going to say there's just one thing to add is I think the other reason why you can't really replace him in the 11 at least in my mind is they don't have a very solid third pacer Sean Abbott is not as good as Pat Cummins and then they don't have another spinner so like unless Cameron Green Green becomes as good as you know let's say Hardik Pandya like that level of a pacer which I don't think he's there yet uh that is why he's he's Pat Cummins still guarantees a spot because they don't have a second spinner Green is not good enough, and Sean Abbott is not better than Cummins, which is why he's in the eleven. But yes, of course, after that, um, obviously some of the tactics and all that, I'm sure it was not just Cummins, but there was Andrew McDonald, who's a very smart coach, successful coach. So I'm sure he had inputs, and others, of course, as well. You know, think, people like Steve Smith, who are obviously very smart cricketers, obviously had a say in, in those things. So uh, that is probably a team effort, but nonetheless, I I do think that. um questions about his spot although were you know warranted but i i don't think i'd 
saw a clear replacement. I think it was, you know, more or less neck and neck, which is why it made sense. No, I just add to what Mayank just said and what Nish just said. If you remember the India tour where Pat was having a lot of personal issues and had to travel back and Smith had to take over captaincy. There were a lot of question marks about his captaincy that, you know, Smith is uh, captaining the team so well. Do we really need Pat as captain back? I mean, I think he silenced everybody. He's exemplary yeah. leadership, I think. So, very good. I think he went a long way towards, you know, like a, a fast bowler captain. I mm. think uh, always gets like short shift. People always put them down, I feel. And I think uh, he went a long way towards, you know, showing that, hey, fast bowlers can be good captains too. <laughs> but um, uh, I think the man of the moment is really, you know, Travis Head. Uh, you know, not just today, but even the World Test Championship final. Yeah, he's been uh, torn in the flesh for India. Nish, what 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 did you make of uh, what do you make of Travis Head in general, like as a as you know the champion batter that he is, but just rising up to the big occasion uh, on, on two finals against India? What do you make of him? I think it's the, I'm still the, the emotions are still raw, like I'm still like you know. <laughs> be kind. <laughs> I'm 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 already from the WTC final, right? Not even to yeah. this final, so. I mean, I think it's it's very it's very like Sevagesque, right? Like there's a lot of you know opportunities. You feel like you're gonna get out next ball every you yeah. know like that that Bumrah over. I was like 100 sure, right? Like if it's not that over, Bumrah would have set up for dismissal the following over by our you know like support bowlers like Shami or whoever else both. But the I think then I read like you know I think cricketing news. Um, uh, uh, analysis or you know, opinions or whatever you want to call <laughs> uh, his comments, right? He said that every time he misses and he stays, the longer he stays, the more likely he's going to like hurt you, right? And that's exactly what happened. Like you felt like he was going to get dismissed, but nope, you know, he'd crack a boundary. Like, oh yeah, it's okay. Just one boundary. It's going to, you know, the, 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 the false shot or the chance is going to come. Having said that, he soaked in all the pressure and, you know, that those shamis over like, you know, was like wicket to wicket and, bang on you know those stumps so and he played that with like you know a lot of comfort and eventually he deserved all those you know sure luck luck happened in you know, a cricket is a sport of batting is a sport of luck so it's it's fine but you sometimes have to ride the luck and maximize your opportunity right so and he did that so full credit to him and full credit to the Australian setup for like you know trusting a guy who's injured in a big tournament and you know sticking with him those yeah. are courageous decisions that Indian team setup also makes right and then it's the whole giving a long rope to the player, right? So that mentality is very good and it, it paid returns for Ayer, right? You know, even I was calling, was, I was like, you know, frustrated with Ayer's uh, returns early on in the tournament. Then obviously, you know, what do, what do I know? I'm a casual fan, right? Like, and then he repaid with like, you know, double the interest. And similarly, Travis had as well, right? Those doubts never crept in their setup. They were clear in their thinking and structure and eventually ideal results for them so well done to him well done to Australia and yeah good stuff for them yeah Tra Travis had played the knock that I think Rohit Sharma was trying to play um, but obviously I feel like it was just not his day or his year for Rohit so let's talk about the Indian team it's it's really hard for me because quickly sorry Benny just quickly right what do you guys think I mean I know Rohit's template has been to like you know give us like absolute fantastic starts which he has done like throughout the tournament right considerably well i mean i don't, I don't know maybe it's the final that's making me think twice about the 
strategy of attacking Maxwell after going for 10 today or, you know, like, it's very easy to like sit here at 10 p.m. after a long day and say like, okay, maybe, you know, that over we already like maximize the returns from maximum over. Should we have just seen him through? I don't know. I'm very desperate no, right now. So no, no. My like... opinion, my opinion, no regrets. I think he, okay. he did the right thing because that's what's paid. That's actually been the key to India's success. I know we, we, we talk a lot about Kohli and Shami and all of that throughout this World Cup, but I think... Rohit consistently set up the platform for India's batsmen in this tournament. And I don't think he should have taken a different approach just because it was a World Cup final. I mean, if you think about the semifinal, he batted the same way. And again, and, and even the World Cup final, when he left, it, I think India's run rate was close to eight uh, it, within the first 10 overs. So he had done his part. Right. And ideally, yes, you know, we want, everybody wants to see a big Rohit innings you know a, a double uh, 100 or a double 100 uh but on the flip side you know even his 40s he is always set up india and i think that was kind of what kohli was doing like you know Rohit always sets it up nicely for kohli and ayer and rahul to kind of follow up on it but it, i just felt it was australia's day i don't think Rohit should have changed his approach and i have no complaints about how we went about today as well Thanks, Benny, for providing yeah, the closure. I would agree 100%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I agree 100%. I, I feel like if you compare it to the South Africa group stage game, the last game that we played, um, or was it the last game? Second last, actually. Second last game that we played where, where we played them in Kolkata on a slow wicket, similar to this. Probably, you know, maybe this was slower. Uh, he again made a similar 40, and that enabled India to go to 320 on a very slow wicket, we were well over par. So his his template was perfectly fine and he's shown that throughout the World Cup. Like we've posted above par scores consistently when he's made only 150 and 100. Right. So it, it's clear like he had taken the job of, you know, do, providing the quick start and they had clearly provided the role of to Kohli to, you know, score the big runs. Yeah, I mean, close to 600 runs at that strike rate, I'll take it any day. I mean, phenomenal. phenomenal. Yeah. According yeah. to me, um, in fact, he was my player of the tournament. To be really honest, I um, I found that his impact was way too high for India. Had we won, I just feel today was a blip, not as a player but as a captain. I thought he could have been slightly proactive. There were no slips for Kuldeep or Jadeja. There were some edges that had gone and. I understand there was slight desperation with that Siraj Shami switch. Although Shami yeah. got the wicket, he couldn't control the swing, and Siraj was deemed yeah. useless after that because he couldn't bowl as the third bowler. So, kind of that's where I thought. But it's okay. I, I mean, I I just feel Rohit was fantastic this tournament. No question about it. Yeah, I uh, I think that's a good kind of segue into India's, you know campaign you know this this tournament uh, you know again it, it's only been a few hours so i've been trying to like process my emotions on this because a part of me is kind of proud of the way the indian team played this world cup you know i've i've been watching world cup since 90s well 96 but really 99 that i've closely followed and i know they won the world cup in 2011 you know they made it to the semifinals in 2015 2019 but this is the first time that I've seen India so dominant in all departments. There were no weak links 
uh, sure with Hardik Pandya's uh, injury, it kind of opened up a kind of a, a weakness to exploit for your opposition. But even that was covered up pretty well till the final. Um, so if before the start of the final, if you asked anybody, okay, who's the better, who's the best team in this tournament? Who should, who deserves to win? I mean, fair. I, I think everyone would have picked India, but that's not how World Cups operate. So in that respect, it, it was hugely, it is still hugely disappointing that India did not win the World Cup, but I think they have a lot to be proud about. They were the best team this uh, ent- entire campaign. And while you know, a few of the players will probably never win a World Cup just because of their age and all of that. Uh, I think once emotions kind of cool down, uh, I think Dravid and Rohit and the entire team can look back, uh, you know, just keeping the World Cup final aside, I think they can be proud of the way they performed. Um, but I, I'm curious about you, your guys' take on India's World Cup campaign in that, where does India go from here? You know, like, I feel like they did everything possible to win that elusive ICC trophy and still <laughs> managed to come up short. Uh, yeah. So just quick thoughts on where, what could, I don't even know if we already kind of talked about like what could India have done better in the final to win it. Uh, but more to do with where did they go from here? What is the blueprint for, uh, for this next iteration of the Indian I think the only thing I can think of is fine bowlers who can bat. <laughs> Otherwise, like there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with this team. You know, there's there's no yeah. real weakness, no real loophole. Like I mean, people talked about, oh wait, you know, Sky was not informed. Why was he picked? He's a T20 player, and all that. But if you want to replace him, we have multiple people like Sanju Samson sitting out there with an ODI average of 52. So, you know, we can make those replacements quick. The only place we struggle, which is exactly where we've struggled in the past, is bowlers who cannot bat. And, and you know, for the most part, we've seen um, our team being able to cover that because the bowlers are solid. Um, and, you know, we have Hardik to cover up if, there's, if somebody's having a bad day and things like that. Um, but again, like when it came to the, the semis and in England as well and and here uh in both cases just not having that depth in batting forces the team to bat more conservatively and that's what we saw today like the the stat that uh Karthik mentioned at the beginning four boundaries in the last 40 overs India has not scored as few boundaries since 1999 in an ODI so that should tell you like the the how conservative they had to be because at number eight is Mohammad Shami who you know, sure he can swing one or two, but you can't really hope that he'll he's gonna score you twenty runs. Um, so I think that's the only space that they will hope to fix. Again, it's not an easy thing to fix because, really, I, if I look down, you know, the apart from the fifteen that were in the World Cup, if I look down all the other contenders who were close to making the spot or even the young uh, bowlers coming through, the only one I see who's a solid bat is Akshar Patel, and he's likely going to be number seven in place of Jadeja next World Cup. I don't know if he's going to be number eight. So, um, yeah, maybe Deepak Chahar, if he is an improved improved bowler, then yes, he might make a num- good number eight. But otherwise, I don't see a lot of bowlers who are really solid, you know, the likes of Ravi Bishnoi, a lot of other youngsters who are very good bowlers, 
they're not necessarily batsmen. That's just that's just the truth of Indian cricket at the moment. So they will hope that some of the under nineteen all rounders start, um, you know, coming uh, coming up and and showing their potential on the on the senior level. Uh, I wanted to. Uh... Uh, Karthik, uh, I wanted to ask you, I mean, you, you can talk about where the Indian sure. team goes from here, but w- while Mike was talking about that, actually one thing that I remembered was uh, Surya Kumar Yadav. Uh, there was a lot of uh, debate. I think only uh, his place was up for debate when he was selected, you know, um, and except for like, I think one innings, I don't think he really did anything of note. And even today, like we desperately needed him to fire you know, in the in the latter half, and we can talk about conditions and the bowling, but uh, I don't know. It just felt like it was another disappointment from him. Do you think that is another area where India could have maybe maybe found like a better personnel to take up that spot, or even like going forward, uh, it's time to look beyond Sky. Um, yeah, so first thing, I won't be too hard on Sky. He hasn't had too many opportunities this World Cup. He played one decent innings. Otherwise, he's always been at the end where he had to just slog. So today was the day, the opportunity. You know, I remember when India played Sri Lanka in 96 semi-final and we got Jaisuria and Kalu in the first over and then De Silva within the first 10 overs. I was like, now their middle order will be tested and they actually came in and started scoring. And I was like, I was hoping something like that happened today, which happened in the first game at Chennai. Um, I just feel, I'm not disappointed that Sky couldn't hit today because it was hard. They had planned brilliantly and the pitch was holding up. He was trying to wind up. It was hard. But what I'm really disappointed is that he was exposing the uh, lower order batsman, the first yeah. ball itself. That that kind of actually was like, why is he doing that? Maybe yeah, so I, <laughs> yeah, I I got a feeling is he mentally shot, or is he getting uh, the pressure of the big stage, or is he get, has he really got the instruction that keep playing till the fiftieth over and somehow start hitting in the fiftieth over? One of these two, def- these three definitely. So I don't think Sky is gonna be in the plans in the future for sure, in my view, because he's what he's already. 30, like 33, I think. 33, right? yeah. yeah. So, I mean, his selection was warranted. I thought it was a right choice. He could have given the impetus uh, um, later on. And, you know, when we were looking for big runs, today was probably not the day. It's sad because his legacy, he'd probably be remembered for this innings. I feel bad for him. He's yeah. kind of a good player, though. So, but, I mean, he's got the T20 format, right? Yeah, he, yeah. He's still like Definitely, probably the best yes. Indian batter now in that format. So he's got that going for him. Uh, Nish, yeah. Rohit Sharma, Rahul Dravid, you know, there was a lot of talk uh, about this being like defining their legacy uh, as captain and coach respectively. Uh, what are your thoughts on how they've done so far and where they go from here? Along with your thoughts on India's uh, performance yeah let me address the performance first right before i talk about legacies um overall i think i cannot be more satisfied with the performance of our team right like we had like 10 outstanding games and this one day doesn't nullify those 10 days right it's very easy to focus on this because this is the make or break or the legacy defining moment but those 10 games, you know, 
will probably be forgotten come next World Cup or like you know many editions down forward. But I don't think it will be as easily forgotten as some of the other previous in 2015 or 2019. We played well, but there were like you know not this resounding confidence, right? Like we went into each game like bolstered and as favorites, and we played like real top of our game, right? Like we didn't have any fear component in our game, so. that was something red that was very australian ask to me right at least in when australia in the 2000s 1990 to 2007 when they showed up to games you already like almost checked out in your mind right or oh, shoot these guys are showing up i felt like we induced similar or at least a little bit of bias there but we induced similar sort of like you know fear in some of our opponents obviously playing in india helps so overall india's performance was top notch today was a bad day unfortunately it happened to be you know one of the most critical days um for us so it's okay um as far as dravid's legacy and you know um rohit sharma's legacy goes it's it's they've done their more than what they could have given right they've hit their ceiling it's i don't think had they got more time it's not like they had they got more time they could have you know extracted more of the steam right they extracted as much value out of the steam in the combination that they were working on from ever since they were appointed right this project was set in motion when these two guys came together so the combination didn't yield the results but we had everything set up to yield the results so it's okay i think they were great now going forward um is is dravid's time done with this or like is is it up for renewal or i think he's done his contract is done right yeah done right yeah so i don't know what's our next project 2025 i mean 20 um 25 is the champions trophy right yeah mm-hmm. 24 World T20 T20 World Cup next year Champions Trophy in 2025 and WDC obviously yeah yeah the pain cycle goes again you're just preparing as a mentally for that what I what I wanted to what I read or what I think I'm right is that after South Africa India is every other team except for south africa every other team has won an icc trophy after india like the last we won was 2013 so after 2013 barring south africa every other team has won some sort of icc trophy or the other new zealand the wtc pakistan champions trophy england the world t20 australia so many world t20s when i say every other team the top teams yeah so <laughs> You know, I think thanks we, for that good omen. So, <laughs> that's, it's our time now for sure. Start, starting with an amazing, useful series on Thursday with the T20s. So. Yes, oh, it's, it's... I, I can't even bring myself up for that. Um, you know, I, I read this tweet the other day that India is only. Uh, this is before the World Cup final. That across the last three World Cups, fifty over World Cups combined, India has only lost like three games. Right, and if you include now. this four. final they only lost like four games and right. i don't know to me that actually makes it even more frustrating that india's not managed to win um so rohit sharma i really wanted india to win this world cup for rohit sharma you know like obviously he's he's a, he's already stated that he he was he is very he uh he was very disappointed on missing the cut for the 2011 world cup squad um and so you know sport is all about narratives right so it felt like okay 12 years later this is like rohit sharma's time he's captain of this dominant indian team and it's just written in the stars that he's going to lift the trophy but 
of course, it never really works that way in real life. Um, and I was kind of hoping that how in 2011, you know, everybody was like, oh, we'll just do it for Sachin. Um, and I was just hoping that this World Cup will <laughs> happen for uh, Rohit. But, um, you know, he's 37. He's not going to... I mean, I don't think he's uh, going to get another chance. And actually, this has been this is this is the last World Cup for a lot of players across a lot of the teams. So, let's kind of talk about some of these high-profile ones. I'll mention some of the names here, and then you guys can pick one or two of those players that you want to talk about. Uh, so, for India, Rohit Sharma, Ravichandran Ashwin, Virat Kohli, and probably Ravinder Jadeja. Okay, uh, for England's, you know. Even though they had a terrible World Cup, obviously they've been the kind of the trend setters or the pace setters uh, over the last few years in limited overs. Uh, Joss Butler, Ben Stokes, Adil Rashid, Moin Ali. And for New Zealand, probably Kane Williamson, Tim Southey, Trent Bolt, Matt Henry. And for Australia, uh, David Warner, Steve Smith, Glenn Maxwell. There are some high profile names, even like South Africa, Quentin de Kock has announced his retirement or he announced his retirement before the tournament. Uh, but there are some really high-profile names that we have seen the last of them, especially in World Cups, 50-over World Cups. So for you guys, are there any, you know, one or two players that you feel like, you know, they missed out on a golden opportunity to win a World Cup in their career, outside of the <laughs> Aussies, of course? I, I mean, Rohit is definitely number one on that list because, um, you know, just an outstanding one day record obviously as we all know he took a while to get going 2013 is when he really got going as an opener but it's been a decade and he's been outstanding in that decade and and what is quite amazing is he started off as a, the anchor where Shikhar Dhawan used to play faster he had a striker of 95 Rohit Sharma was about 10 runs per 100 balls behind and how he's adapted his game to understand, you know, the the strengths of the rest of the Indian team, because it would have been very easy for him to say, yeah, I'm going to play this role and assign that to, say, a young Shubman Gill. Um, but he's he's taken that mantle on himself and said, I understand somebody like Kohli can play the anchor very well. That's his DNA, and and so he's he's done that. So definitely top of the chart is is him. And then I think the second team that probably second I wouldn't say person, but the group that comes to mind is New Zealand's golden generation. Um, you know, New Zealand have not been as solid a team as, um, you know, say Australia over the years. Um, but in the last decade, they've been very, very good. You know, starting from that 2015 World Cup, um, just re really solid talent. And a lot of them are, you know, heading towards the dawn of their career. Um, so I, I think the re reason that's important is not just because you know, it, it's going to be very hard for a lot of new players to start over once they, you know, Williamson goes away, Saudi goes away, Bolt goes away. And that's even understanding that Saudi wasn't even in the playing 11, but even then. Um, but the other aspect is, I think the quality of all the teams around the world right now is so good. You know, you have these people playing for New Zealand and they don't have a realistic chance of winning the World Cup. Then you have England, who has a solid squad, won the last one, obviously had enough World Cup here. Uh, same with India, same with Australia. The Australian team has conquered literally everything, like the T20 World Cup, they've conquered the WTC. Um, so the quality of the cricket is really, really solid. 
And uh, considering that these many number of stars will likely be missing the next time around, um, you never know. There might be a slight dip in the quality of cricket. Um, I mean, there's, there's not. That's not to say that we don't have, you know, exciting young talent. There's people like Rachin Ravindra in the waiting, but um, to miss all of these people, they, for all we know, like the the quality of cricket might also take a slight dip. Um, again, this is just my guess, but just you know, a very long list of solid names there. Yeah, I just think uh, I'm I'm great points by Mike. Actually, all the names that he just said, the New Zealand folks, uh, Rohit. I was thinking about the same. Um, just feel with the England names. I think Joe Root is a name that I think might not play again in the next World Cup. I feel I I don't know. I mean, um, I, I I think he somewhere flies under the radar. He has a decent record. He has done well, but for some reason, Stokes gets a lot of attention. Butler gets a lot of attention. He's again uh, would be like, yeah, he won the 2019 World Cup, but I just feel probably there might be a feeling that he underachieved in ODIs. And uh, the point of it that Mike brought up about talent, honestly, I don't even know if we'll have regular bilateral ODIs going forward. You know, until 2027, we'll have the Champions Trophy, but bilateral ODIs I see really shrinking. So the list A format. I don't know how it will play out in already there were murmurs about this uh, being the last World Cup. I hope it's not. But if we were to play another World Cup in 2027, I am agreeing with Mike. Uh, the talent pool, um, I there might be some questions about like if people are equipped enough to actually last 50 overs and play 50 over game. Do they have that temperament to do that because of the influx of the 2020 with the new generation? That's something, that's a thing that I, I think about. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's a change of like you know, more T20s coming up, right? Like I think um, this Australian team and this Indian team had like a lot of test players. Yes. Right, like test regulars in their starting lineup, if you will, or in the squad as well. So that's going to gradually shift towards more T20 mindset, mindset players with T20 mindset starting or becoming like regular T20 players. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of like supports my young thesis that you know this could see a quality of dip in quality, not necessarily, right? Just a different approach, maybe. But I don't know. I, I'm I'm a little conflicted about how where cricket is heading. It's very hard to say, but the, the the winds are in the direction of more club cricket and less bilateral series, and you know, so and that's only gaining momentum, right? So it's very hard to predict with a high level of confidence where it's going to go. But I hope the ODI format maybe goes through some tweaks, but continues to thrive because this has been a splendid World Cup, right? So despite all the noise about ODI dying. Though there were like you know, there are arguments about one-sided games and stuff. It was still enjoyable, right? Like maybe I'm cut from an older fabric, but I still found it to be very enjoyable. So I hope this continues. No, I agree. Fifty over World Cups are the most satisfying as a fan. I feel T20 World Cups just don't have that. Maybe it's because of the short history. You know, it's only it's relatively new. 
uh, it just doesn't weave like a story or a narrative like how a 50 over World Cup does, you know, over the course of the entire tournament. And the World Test Championship final, let's be honest, the the format needs a lot of tweaking. It's just not where it needs to be. Uh, but having said that, let's, you know, as we wrap up this recording, uh, I want each one of us to essentially give your favorite performance from this World Cup and extra points if you pick one that, you know, it's kind of underrated or nobody really talks much about it. Uh, and also just your kind of a short review of the World Cup, like uh, in terms of the quality of cricket, the the variety of pitches, the broadcasting commentary, like your overall take on how this World Cup uh, was conducted, I guess. Favorite performance and your thoughts on the 2023 World Cup. All right, I'll go. Um, my favorite performance has to be Afghanistan's batting. Um, we all know they can both spin. Um, and they were playing in conditions which favor spin. So I think going into the World Cup, a lot of uh, people expected them to challenge some teams, especially, you know, Sri Lanka, Netherlands was assumed that they would win that. But, uh, you know, Bangladesh, that is one game they'll they'll really regret losing. Um, but their batting stepped up, you know, the way they were managing chasing, um, firstly restricting the totals for the oppositions well, and then chasing them down methodic, uh, in, a, in a good manner, you know, like breaking the innings down. Just that piece, whether it's influence of, uh, you know, Jonathan Trott, whether it's influence of Ajay Jareja, it's also like just the under-19 batch of 2018 for Afghanistan was really solid. So that's why they, they stand out for, you know, being so close to qualifying, which in this format is incredibly tough for, you know, if you're not in the top four, five teams, it's incredibly tough to qualify for the semifinal with so many games. You have to be very consistent, but they came very close. So that's why that's my performance of uh, the World Cup. And I think overall, just, you know, quality of cricket, as I said, was fantastic. Like, you know, overall, the, the, the games were, were really good. Uh which one thing I love about Indian cricket is just the variety of pitches you get. You know, you'll get a fast-scoring pitch in Vankare. You know, you'll get a slower one in Kolkata. Um, there's all these varieties, just natural variations with just types of soil and all of that, as well as weather, which makes it very interesting because you're tested in very many different phases, uh, many different ways. And uh, uh, so that was really great to watch. Uh, the only real complaint I have is the broadcasting, which was it was a joke. Like honestly, it was it was an absolute joke, and and the focus on India and Indian stars was it was nauseating. It was ridiculous. We were I was watching. Um, you know, out of you know, out of habit, even tomorrow, Star Sports will be talking about Virat Kohli and his next. I'm sure. Century. Yeah, <laughs> I totally I agree, sure. with, agree with Maya. It, it was it was. It was so irritating, right? It's like it was so disrespectful to the other teams that showed up as well, because yeah. and that kind of like feeds into the, you know, deserved or undeserved hate from other teams as well. That you know, like you know, I don't think there were any other neutrals that were supporting India today, besides like only like Indians abroad or whatever, right? Like it was just like it was very annoying. It was, it was. I thought when I moved to this U.S. when I moved to the U.S. like a decade ago, you know, when I saw like American viewership of like Super Bowl or something, right? It was a very like, you know, flag waving, a lot of like, you know, jingoistic nonsense noise, right? Similar things was done here as well. Like we could have done without that overall. And I, yeah, and also ESPN Plus in the US 
was atrocious. Like, oh, yeah. it was terrible. Like, I think I missed a solid 10 <laughs> overs of first deliveries of each over across the tournament. Yeah. So, it was terrible. Yeah, just a thumbs down for them. Yeah. <laughs> Did you finish what you were saying, Mike? No, no, I think I think that was it. I think the broadcasting, you know, I mean, of course, we all know about like the ticketing issues and and the way they announce tickets. But, you know, from looking from far, that was not a concern for any of us. But, yeah, the broadcasting was was pathetic. That that's something that definitely needs to be worked on, including including the ridiculously funny closing ceremony where apparently Pat Cummins was handed the trophy and then. The prime minister decided to shake hands with all the Australians, so he was just standing with the trophy while fireworks were going around, waiting for his teammates. So oh, it, was, it was a I, comical scene, which uh, a lot of people part. missed because. Yeah, I tuned out. I tuned out. I was like, you know what? I don't need to watch Australia lift another World Cup trophy. I'm good. <laughs> no, I wanted to. I I decided that let's inflict a self pain again because I need this. So I made sure I watched okay. every single bit of it till the last moment. They. Yeah, like they had this drone coverage of the celebration. So I was oh like, God. let me watch this. It's like searing into your memory. <laughs> my wife was telling me, don't be a bad sport. Just watch it to the finish. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I have uh, 20 years of drama that <laughs> I can, you know, go back to. So I don't need this one uh, one more as well. Uh, but Karthik, what, what, what is your favorite performance and uh, oh, yeah. just overall take of 2023 World Cup? Um, so... Yeah, um, but uh, without wanting to sound biased, right? Uh, my favorites are uh, Rohit and Shami. I don't want to talk about them because uh, they have already all we have all talked enough about uh, the performances. I think Rachin Ravindra would be my take. Oh yeah, yeah. I think Rachin is a breakout star. He's I mean, such a good-looking stroke seriously. maker, like just yeah. amazing shots. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, some of his shots like Lara esque shots uh, i was like honestly he scored 96 against pakistan in the warm-up and i was just joking that you know oh yeah so warm-up dinesh karthik has so many hundreds in warm-up come on man do it in real <laughs> do it in real world and the yeah. guy just he creamed every ball and i thought that he was like superb temperament he's so calm yeah. I, I really think he might be a captain uh, captaining new zealand in the future if he goes like this so, yeah, Rachin is someone that I, I'll remember from this World Cup. Uh, Klaasen is another one that I'd remember from this World Cup. And a big shout-out to Zampa. Honestly, I had not rated Australia because they had just picked one spinner. And I thought it will not be easy to actually sustain with just one spinner. So, Zampa hats off because um, sustaining this attack and being the second highest wicket-taker, I thought he did a great job too. So, these are my three picks. Did did you Kartik, did you say about the World Cup like just your so, overall yeah, thoughts about yeah so most of it is talked about started off pretty with all the fiascos or the ticketing fiasco and the scheduling fiasco uh, and the outfield fiasco to be honest I, I even one Kade, right I thought they had just patched it on the top and I don't remember in the semi final was it Conway who almost like uh, had that uh, knee. It's just dug inside the outfield. It was scary. So I, I think um, if you overlook, uh, you should not be overlooking, but the cricket, I mean, the, if, if, if you keep this noise aside, the cricket in this World Cup has been fantastic. 
one day cricket is the ultimate form of white ball game i think and you know you have that the cricket was amazing the quality of cricket was superb afghanistan netherlands brilliant i thought um the umpiring overall was like at a decent pace uh, decent par i mean i thought the umpires did a great job too this world yeah. cup i i don't see anything uh, 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 something way too uh, critical about the umpiring that i could talk about uh, i just feel that broadcasting i felt sorry for uh, people like neroli meadows and uh, you know uh, simon dool who were forced to talk about kohli basically i think the producer was always on their ear that you know talk about indian team because i understand star sports has to sell they have to they, they need eyeballs so they have to talk about this um that's where uh, the, the the star sports coverage was obviously slightly cringy but um the yeah. commentary um i thought was not that bad they had a decent set of commentators especially the female commentators kas naidu or you know Uh, don't uh, natalie germanos i i just like the way that they did uh, i i thought that they did a good job so um, overall i think yeah the noise uh, slightly dampens the thing about the off cricket noise dampened the a really good cricket world cup where cricket was top notch nish favorite performance and uh, your take on the 2023 world cup and i go with a favorite underperformance <laughs> it's probably england right because they had a very good side on paper at least right uh, and in terms of like you know man brought up what can india change uh, he brought up a good point about having depth right you know like batting or bowling all-rounders and england was stacked with that right like they had a solid coverage in that area as well but they also had a very rudrapatap rudrapatap singh from miami to australia or england vibe to them right like bringing like guys who are like you know mentally checked out like hey let's play a world cup guys like you know and they didn't yeah. really click right so i don't know that was under performance but jokes aside um, from a performance standpoint daryl mitchell right like his ascendancy is like you know was continuing to impress mm-hmm. and yeah. he dealt with india bowlers when everyone else struggled um before the final with like you know extreme ease right so and i don't i think he's old too but he probably doesn't have another world cup in him maybe a champions trophy he can you know if he can continue this form at least so he was impressive and then maxwell's innings um i know afghanistan reduced australia to 91 for 7 and then the wanker gets better as you spend more time in batting but regardless regardless of afghanistan's poor planning or lack of planning and execution right maxwell's innings was like like i haven't seen an innings that deep in misery like you know to and leading up to victory so that was something new for me for like you guys following cricket for a long time right so that was like refreshing to see so those are my takeaways overall the tournament was good with the initial skepticism and all that noise around it but overall once cricket picked up as happens in a big tournament you know these things you know take back seat and the cricket takes front seat right so i'm glad that happened and overall the tournament is good and uh, it was one thing that i would point out is like you know for a, a rich country like us for a rich board like us i think we can do better to improve our outfields i felt like indian outfields were you know like much better for whatever reason like in this world cup it maybe it's the duration of the timing of the season or something i don't know what the root yeah. cause is but it was great during the ipl 
Yeah, like people would dive left and center and center without thinking twice, right? Now players have to think twice and, you know, that Conway incident, I think there were a couple of other incidents as well, similar to Conway, where people could have hurt their knee and you know, could have resulted in serious ligament issues. But I don't know. Overall, the tournament was good. And um, and regarding one point regarding commentary was, I think Ponting's commentary was like wow. one point, right? Yes. Like his yeah. analysis was like exceptional. Unfortunately, he was getting drawn out by noisy neighbors on both sides, but his analysis was very refreshing. And of course, cricket Twitter never disappoints, right? We had some incredible takes from all sides, but mostly good takes. Well, I guess I'll wrap up this episode with my thoughts then. Um, my favorite individual performance was actually Glenn Maxwell as well. It was funny, like when he first started batting, I thought, okay, this is a pretty brave knock. And then I graduated from that to, oh, this is going to be the best knock in a losing cause. Then it went from that to, oh, this is like the going to be the best World Cup knock ever to finally, this is one of the best ODI knocks, period. So Greatest, greatest ODI. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I know there have been people murmuring about, oh, this is Afghanistan. Their bowling tactics were not great against like a hobbling Maxwell. But you cannot ignore the context. You know, it's a World Cup game and it doesn't matter. Australia, I mean, Afghanistan had picked up seven wickets for 91 runs. So you can't just like dismiss them, you know, uh, that easily. So that was definitely uh, a performance that... And they had the best spin bowling attack in the World Cup, yeah, hands yeah. down. Like, yeah. The quarter of the spin bowlers were like exceptional. Sure, Dew was against them, but still to navigate that against no. Maxwell, who was susceptible to spin. So... No, I, mean, yeah. I think that... That, but that's again like a classic, you know, it's almost like a cliche, but there's just that Aussie grit. They just don't know when they've lost. You know? <laughs> they just keep fighting because that's all they know what to do. <laughs> they just refuse to accept defeat. So for me, that I, I think even like 15, 20 years from now on, if someone brings up 2023, I'm pretty sure my mind would have just shut down that India lost in the final. But I will remember that Glenn Maxwell knock. So that was like the standout individual performance. Uh, from an overall uh, performance was uh, definitely the Indian bowling attack, like their performance in this tournament. Uh, you know, I've like like I said, I've been following cricket for almost 20, 25 years now. And for most of that 25 years, I've only looked forward to India's batting. Whenever India's bowling, it was, you know, India's turn to bowl, I would always like kind of tune out or not, you know, really care. And in the last five to six years, I'm actually looking forward to India's bowling more than their batting, which is a testament to how far the Indian side has come in terms of their bowling stocks. And this tournament was no different. You know, just uh, I was like I was telling Mike earlier, um, you know, even when India had scored 241, I was still optimistic that you know, the bowlers could defend it just because, you know, we have Bumrah, Shami. Siraj had kind of like, a, you know, an off tournament, but uh, still, you would still back him most most days. Uh, and a good spin duo in Jadeja and Kuldeep. So, I, again, if you keep the World Cup final aside, they were just brilliant throughout this tournament. And just the margins of victories, you know, it's not just all batsmen, it's the bowlers too. So... For me, I, I hope that this final doesn't take away from the fact that they were just outstanding this tournament. And I think these guys can still be around for a few more years, you know, like Bumrah and Kuldeep so, and, and Siraj too. And hopefully we'll develop some good options going forward too. Uh, the World Cup overall 
you know, the theme that I got was this was India's party, right? From day one to the last day, uh, especially like, you know, the crowds, like it was, it was very rare to see any non-Indian supporters. You'll see probably like two or three scattered here and there, but it was really in Indian supporters for every game. And um, it was really, it, it just felt like this was India's World Cup to win. And especially with the way the team was performing, it was, it was just like, it's just a write-off, you know, India's winning this. So um, I, it will be disappointing. I think it'll take a long time for this, for for us to just kind of, you know, just let it go. But as Indian cricket fans, I mean, um, so I will remember this tournament mainly for that. And yeah, like you guys said, you know, there was some good quality of cricket. There was a lot of good performances, but I'll also remember uh, some of the uh, just incidents, you know, like the Angelo Matthews and Shakib <laughs> incident, the timed out, the first ever timed out uh, dismissal in international cricket, uh, memorable. Um, the whole attempts, of the Indian team, uh, the Indian batters to get Virat Kohli to his centuries <laughs> in a couple of the games earlier on. Um, so I, I will remember those. And uh, I mean, if you're talking about commentary and broadcast, honestly, that's just the state of broadcasting in general, I think, uh, for the most part, even, even in countries like England and Australia, especially Australia, it, it's terrible. I think England is probably the best overall. I mean, it's not saying a lot, but uh, in terms of quality, I think most of the time they're they're up ahead. Uh, but yes, like uh, Nish and my, my uh, you, you guys brought it up, especially following cricket from the US and you're kind of forced to follow Star, <laughs> you know, their coverage. It was really, really aggravating just, you know, every time Kohli, 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 you know, especially even in the semifinal after he had scored his 50th ton, uh, it was funny, like Nasser saying, you know, in the mid innings was like trying to talk about Shreyas. He he said something really complimentary about Shreyas and then immediately they were like, "But Kohli did this," and I'm like, "All right, it's just, you know, there are other players too." So I will not miss that aspect. Um, but um, maybe I should I, I should mention it's funny we haven't really talked about Virat Kohli in this episode. He was the player of the tournament after all. I mean, he had. He ended up scoring the most runs in a single edition. Uh, scored, he scored runs in almost every game except for probably one or two. And uh, but yeah, him winning the player of the tournament reminded me a lot of Sachin winning it Sachin, in uh, yeah. Yeah. 2003. They just looked uh, absolutely, uh, you know, non thrilled to be winning it. So uh, yeah, I think I'll remember it all for all of those reasons, especially Kohli's uh, performance throughout uh, Shami's. Just blitzkrieg is what I would say. The way he was taking wickets for fun after uh, he got his place in eleven. Overall, memorable World Cup, both uh, on the field and off the field. Hope I wish it had a better outcome, but cannot complain. Australia with the the better team uh, on World Cup final day. So there's that. Yeah, just quickly, I'll want to add about that 2003-2023 parallel. I I wanted to say that earlier about the parallels. The last time an Indian captain scored a hundred was in two thousand three. Now it again happened in twenty in World Cups twenty twenty three. The last time a player scored two hundreds against the same opposition was in two thousand three. Ganguly did it against Kenya, and it happened again in twenty twenty three that Daryl Mitchell against New Zealand and uh, against India. 
and then the other thing is like uh, india's sachin was playing his fourth world cup kohli is playing his fourth world cup both were the highest run getters and you know player of the tournament so the parallels just keep not don't keep stop uh, they don't stop so you know it's sad i i just hope that the the result would be different but it's okay happens yeah well hopefully kohli kohli will be still around i mean given his fitness levels uh i expect him if he if he still has the drive and the passion uh he should still be around for the next world cup and i i genuinely hope there will be another 50 over world cup uh, and even more after that uh, i really hope that people will keep odi cricket alive i i think there is space for all three formats as long as we don't add more to it <laughs> i think uh, is just a matter of smart uh scheduling and all of that uh, i mean there's just so much history uh in ODI cricket that it'll be a shame if it dies away and i think this world cup uh did nothing to hurt that i think it showed that 50 over cricket uh, maybe you know like you t- mentioned maybe bilateral cricket bilateral series will probably decrease but i think the world cups should still be around and hopefully uh tournaments like this will help its cause uh but on that note gentlemen thank you so much i know again it it's been a long day we're all tired we're still processing in indian uh not processing india not lifting the world cup after the way they performed over the last few weeks but uh thank you for helping me process this too it's it's been hard same time uh, tomorrow for another therapy session <laughs> <laughs> maybe every week we'll that do it till we like finally like i'm taking this since 96 i'm already it's over easy. it i don't know i'm already <laughs> over it <laughs> Like, well, I'm jealous of you. Yeah, I know. Uh... Yeah, it's no same here. I mean, it's definitely easier than 2003. I mean, 2003 I I feel like I was like shell-shocked for 2 days just the way Australia dismantled India. But like I said, you know, I'm I'm, I'm still proud of the way India performed this World Cup, so there was no shame in losing to a better side. So, I don't know, that's what I'm clinging on to. So. Yeah, definitely. On that day they were better today. So, got a great credit to them. Good yeah. luck. Well played. Yeah. So yeah thank you all uh and uh, to Karthik please uh please come back you know sure i love being here so I'll definitely yeah yeah please do and nish you know the door is always open for you uh whenever you have time drop in uh so thanks for guesting on it and uh yeah so from uh the last wicket pod to all our listeners thank you for listening and uh yeah we'll see you in the next episode Thank you for listening to an episode of The Last Wicket. Do check out other episodes on your podcast app of choice or at thelastwicket.com. This podcast is a Cricket Guys production featuring your hosts, Benny and Mike. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do let a friend know, rate and subscribe on your platform of choice, follow us on your social media feeds and leave us a voice message if you would like to share your thoughts with us. Thank you again for listening. And from all of us here at Last Wicket, stay safe and stay healthy.